This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Second hour of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show is upon us, everybody. Thanks for being with us. Got, obviously, COVID wave sweeping across the country. Biggest story in not just America, but in the world right now. The collapse of the narrative in real time about stopping the spread. And many of the old arguments, once again, in the midst here of the winter season, we're having some of the same debates, and it's as though some people can't seem to actually learn anything based on not only data but experience we've all seen some things work some things don't mostly they don't and in a sense this has all been a reminder a two years long reminder of how inept unaccountable corrupt heavy-handed and stupid the government can be when it tries to when it insists on fixing problems that it simply cannot And it gets involved in things that it shouldn't or when it should even it does a poor job of it. And with this, I bring you some of the bright spots for a moment, right? because we know that there's all kinds of mayhem going on right now within the system in New York. The teachers union in, I believe, Chicago is about to vote on whether or not they should go to remote learning, shutting down schools, folks. This is where we are. We've had this huge vaccination campaign all across the country. 62% of America fully vaccinated. And hundreds of millions of people have gotten at least a shot at this point. And yet now we're being told that schools might shut down again. It's already happened in some cases in New York. They say it's staffing shortages instead of a policy decision. What is the federal government doing to make this better? Testing? They think that's really going to help? And the Biden regime, as you know, didn't prepare enough for that. But what about monoclonal antibodies what about treatment you know how treatment was something that we have tried to discuss at various points and it's always become very political it's mask up and get the vaccine that's it shut up and and social distance as if that's an actual medical uh, a, a medical advice in any meaningful way like people should walk or walk around with rulers here is uh governor DeSantis of florida pointing out that the biden regime 
has inserted itself at the top of the monoclonal antibody distribution chain with bad results, unsurprisingly. With the monoclonals, uh, that is absolutely leading to people dying because we saw when we put in our sites this summer in Florida to deal with the Delta wave, we kept tens of thousands of people out of the hospital. We saved thousands of lives by providing that treatment. So that should have been replicated in all these other states. But instead, what Biden and his cronies have done, they've seized control of all the monoclonal antibodies. So yes, when we were in the pinch, I bought some myself. None of the governors now are able to do that because the feds have seized control. So we're in a situation where we've now asked for 40,000 more every week because I have people that I could help and they are holding on to it and they're not distributing it clay the only possible explanation for this is the federal government's gross incompetence it's either that or they're trying to punish states or something but i i think it has to be incompetence how could they not have known well this is wild to think about buck because when we didn't have ventilators ready immediately in march of 2020 how many times did you see media members questioning incredibly detailed donald trump are there going to be enough ventilators can you guarantee that every single person in the united states who's going to need ventilators is going to be able to get one remember how much andrew cuomo griped all of the lack of supplies and then what did trump do we brought in basically world war ii era laws to allow all of these big factories to be flipped so they could produce ventilators And what did we end up with, as Trump predicted we likely would? Millions of ventilators that effectively were not needed because the ventilation strategy, by and large, actually was shown to be mostly not helpful. You can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the usage of ventilators, if you went on a ventilator, you were basically done, and they found out that that wasn't the best possible treatment. An absolute, my my understanding from doctors, if any doctor out there listening uh, has an update for this or correction, by all means, because we actually want to always get it right. I'm like, I'm not, we're not sitting here as Fauci's PR team one way or the other. We actually just want to get it right. Uh, but as an absolute last resort, ventilators uh, should be used. They f- they found that uh, different forms of, of giving people oxygen and even using steroidal and inhalers and and there are other things. So, yeah, of course, we, we you mentioned the Defense Production Act, those the, the usage of that that Trump brought to bear. But, Clay, your your essential political point here is everything going wrong with covid was Donald Trump's fault, according to the media. And where is that with Biden now? And it was unpredictable is the second part of this. The idea that we would need all of these supplies because a once-every-hundred-years pandemic had suddenly arisen was not very predictable in January, necessarily, of 2020, that in March of 2020 we were going to need all these things. Buck, it was eminently predictable. If you looked at what was going on when Joe Biden took office in January... That we might need, just to toss it out there, and I think this testing idea is wildly overvalued in general, because if you don't feel well, stay home. As I have said for years, I've had the flu before. I've never tested positive for the flu. I've just stayed home until I felt better. That's how we treated almost every illness, unless you were so ill that you needed to go to the hospital. You don't need to get tested to confirm that you had a case for the flu. I think that's mostly true for a large number of people out there with its COVID, whether it's a flu, whether it's whatever it is. If you have a fever and you don't feel well, stay home. I mean, that's a general proposition. But, Buck, 
The idea that we might need tests or that we might need more of these monoclonal antibodies, that we might need supportive drugs that were something other than the, quote, vaccine, was not some crazy idea. It should have been and was eminently predictable for reasonably intelligent people. I would also wonder, and this I could put this out there, and we should ask Senator Rand Paul maybe in the third hour of this, who, again, is, is an MD, because this is always a thing. You're not allowed to have any opinions on policy that the libs don't like unless you're a medical doctor. And then if you are a medical doctor, even a very esteemed one who, I don't know, was involved in the initial research for mRNA vaccines, yeah. they deplatform you and shut you down and say, see, all the doctors agree. Shut up, you doctor over here. You don't count, right? They Which, do this- by the way, doctors tell us all the time, Buck, they're ter- people say, well, why do so few doctors speak out? They're terrified. Well, of course, if they have a non-consensus opinion. They're going to get deplatformed, shut down. They're going to have consequences in their work. They, they we, never before have we had a situation where there was a concerted effort to deny hospital uh, hospital privileges and deny uh, medical licenses to people for speaking out about issues of tremendous public importance in the health realm that are deeply contentious and that are still evolving. This this has been horrific. I mean, you talk about the free speech concerns we have when you're looking at the social media platforms. Think about the effect this has had on the public conversations about health and the way that this has skewed things in a certain direction. I mean, what I was going to say is for, for doctors out there, we've mentioned this before, Clay, but to me, Israel's on its fourth shot. Yeah, That's not anymore what we think of at least and maybe we have to adjust the definitions like they do with everything else a vaccine that's a therapeutic not saying it doesn't help people avoid hospitalization and death not not contesting that data that data is real but it works for about 60 to 90 days it seems and then it dramatically decreases and we also don't know does it work even in that narrow slice of preventing hospitalization and death does that work for six months? Does that work for a year? How, how long does that continue on? So is this a therapeutic, essentially? That's one part of it. And the other part of it would be, why haven't we had more focus, like monoclonal antibodies, on these therapeutics that we know are helpful? And I think it shows you that, you know, the New York State uh, governor here, Hochul, and we have the worst, you know, it must be not, you have some like <laughs> decent politicians in your state. We have the worst politicians in the state of New York. Tennessee's got some good folks. And she has like the vaccine necklace on. Yeah, I think that they were blinded by the fact that they became monomaniacal against vaccines and that turned them against monoclonals. They just wanted to focus on this one thing. I think there's a strong argument for that. And the result is going to be, unfortunately, many people who could benefit immensely from monoclonals are not going to have access to that treatment because There was an obsession with the idea that this vaccine, not only must everyone take it, but that it worked infallibly. And Buck, you didn't even point it out, but I think it's a, it's a question worth asking that reasonable, uh, that medical minds are starting to be allowed to discuss. If we're talking about four shots, which Israel is in the space of roughly a year in order to protect against COVID because the vaccine in quotation marks, the COVID shot wanes in efficacy so quickly. Why would you think most things, most things in life, take it away from medicine, most things in life, the more you use them, the less effective they become in terms of promoting a response from your body. Easy example. Uh, and, and this is something I'm taking it outside of the world of medicine. 
If you work out for the first couple of days and you haven't done it before, your body responds. Anybody who's ever done this, your body responds in a big way. You're super sore, right? When you work out four days a week, then what happens? Your body gets used to it and it adjusts and it becomes accepting of what you're putting your body through. Why would we presume that every shot, Buck, is going to have the same effect when we're talking about shot eight or nine as opposed to shot one? The efficacy of these vaccines over time, when your body is loaded down with them, it seems quite straightforward and logical to ask, is it going to continue to provoke the same response? And I do think it's so important to look at the recent past as a means of trying to understand the present that we're in. Again, this is now... Numerous cities talking about shutting down schools. Article in the New York Times, which is commie, but there are some smart people. They're just smart commies who work there. And they're writing about the damage to children, the deep psychological damage, the huge. So we know this is horrible. We know there's a tremendous learning loss. We're still having conversations now, though, about shutting down schools in some places. And I just remind people, think about how the conversation has changed in the last 90 days. You don't even hear the term. Notice how it just faded away. They never took stock of it. Breakthrough case doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. There's no such thing as a breakthrough case because this is a breakthrough pandemic because the vaccines failed to stop the spread. You don't even hear the words anymore, Clay. I wonder why. And on the social media front, the idea that you would shut down people who are arguing different aspects of a Currently dynamic scientific process. This is the equivalent. I was reading a good write-up about uh, Galileo and uh, and his theories and his interaction with the church and what was allowed to be said about the heliocentric theory uh, versus the geocentric theory. Basically, is the Earth the center of the universe or is the sun the center of the universe? And in order to publish, Galileo had to get the approval of the Pope in order to share his theories. We're talking right now about big tech as the equivalent of this Pope-like monster here that is determining what scientific opinions are allowed to be shared and which are not. And worse, Buck, the questions that they are not allowing to be asked are the one, the conspiracy theories are the ones that are actually turning out to be true in a few months, right? Somebody said the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth is six months. That's about right right now on social media. People start asking questions six months out, and six months from now, the questions that they're asking, the holes that they are provoking, by, by the way, Buck, citing legitimate data. It's not like you're just pulling things randomly out of the air. It's crazy. And, and they're pro-censorship. Just so everyone understands, yes. they're, not, they're not hiding it. They actually want to push their, the left, the commies, want to push their advantage as much as they possibly can right now because they're also worried about what's going to happen in the future as conservatives wake up more to this and do something about it. The inflation we've felt over the last year is not going away anytime soon, unfortunately. A new calendar does not erase the rapid rise in home costs, fuel bills, or the cost of everyday groceries. All of that will influence the value of your savings account and how far your dollar will go. You must protect it, and one of the absolute best ways to do that is with gold, real gold. You purchase it as part of your savings plan or part of your IRA or both. Gold has been proven time and again to be a consistent and stable investment. And nowadays you can purchase real gold and have it delivered to your home. Our partners at the Oxford Gold Group have precious metals that can be delivered right to your home. 
So if you think buying real gold is complicated, it's not. Call the team at the Oxford Gold Group. They'll explain everything to you. You can have real gold delivered to your home or have real gold as part of your IRA. It's just a phone call away with Oxford Gold. Call them at 833-404-GOLD and learn how you can have real gold in your IRA and delivered to your door. That's the Oxford Gold Group at 833-404-GOLD, 833-404-G-O-L-D. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. We have not talked a great deal about the fact that Marjorie Taylor Greene got suspended from Twitter. We talked about it a little bit yesterday and asked the question, why in the world is it that there are no left-wingers, despite the fact that they are spreading misinformation like crazy? We played a lot of the clips of all the things that have since been proven to be untrue that they have said about COVID while maintaining that people like Buck and I don't have the right to say and share the data that we have. But really, the story here is there is such an alliance between the Democratic Party and big tech that they believe that big tech should be shutting down anyone making arguments that they don't like. Here is Representative Jayapal laying out the fact that conservative lawmakers are being responded too little and too late when they are actually banned. Listen to this. It's no secret that our social media companies have been part of their algorithms promoting disinformation. And um, I think that these steps are important, but 
frankly, a little too little and a little too late. Um, the reality is it's not just Marjorie Taylor Greene. All over Twitter, social media, Facebook, uh, all of these companies have been using algorithms that are just about clickbait, not about truth. And so if we are uh, going to take on the disinformation that's out there, the big lie and everything else that goes with it, then, yes, this is a part of it. But it's got to be much, much more. You you get a sense of it, Clay, from what she's saying. And this isn't often talked about, but they they really just want the ability to shut down effective political opponents. That, that's yes. actually what matters. You're never going to get conspiracy theories and and all kinds of crazy and, and awful and evil stuff off the Internet entirely. And they're not even trying. And they're not going to get it off of social media platforms either, right? So this isn't about some guy who has five followers who's a flat earther. What the Democrats want is the power to direct the national conversation, to set the narrative, and to do that, they want to be able to deplatform prominent voices on the other side. This is about Marjorie Taylor Greene. It's not about just this general concept of disinformation. They're using this as a form of political information warfare. That's what this is really about. And I have a major issue, regardless of whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Independent. If you are a duly elected official in the United States, the idea that a tech company can take away your ability to communicate with the audience is a fundamental repudiation of the marketplace of ideas because if you are an elected official, people should be able to see and hear what you are saying on a day-to-day basis because that's how they make decisions about whether or not to support you. And when you're talking about disinformation, don't give me that crap. When you spent five years saying Donald Trump was elected because of Russian collusion and now you're upset because January 6th happened, look, the reality is, as you well know, if Democrats had won the election, I really think that the riots would have been far worse than what we saw. Right now, in the meantime, I got to tell you all about American financing and the fact that we are going to hook you up and save you up to $12,000. How much $1,000 a month make in your life and for your family? You can get a free mortgage review today and be sure to ask about also being able to skip two mortgage payments. All you have to do You can close in as little as 10 days. You can call American Financing, 800-777-8109. That's 800-777-8109. You can also visit AmericanFinancing.net, NMLS 182334, NMLSConsumerAccess.org. Go today, 800-777-8109. Welcome back to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show. We have the failure of the not just the Biden regime, the Democrat Party nationally on COVID. I mean, essentially where Biden and Democrats are in charge, whether it's federal or state, they've made a mess of things. They've lied. They've been wrong. They've been heavy handed. They've been unconstitutional. You can also say many of the same things about the Democrat approach to crime and the numbers are in, so to speak. Same way we look at covid cases, hospitalizations, breakthrough cases, which, as we know, don't even count those anymore because they're everywhere all over the place. You look at the numbers for crime in the last year and what you have isn't just a, a bad look for Democrats. It's really a fundamental repudiation of their philosophy, if you can call it that, on law and order. That putting social justice over societal safety has disastrous consequences. 
It's exactly what we've seen. At least 16 cities saw record homicide rates, uh, according to local police department data compiled by Fox News in the last year. And the nationwide increase is just staggering as a percentage. But, you know, we, we often talk here, and I want to make sure we always spread this out, because I know, you know, Clay's in Nashville. I'm in New York. We spent a fair amount of time in Florida. Um, but And we'll talk about L.A. and some of the big cities out there. But even a lot of mid-sized cities had terrible years. And there are reasons for this. It's not just an anomaly, an aberration, something that happens. There are reasons for this huge crime surge. Albuquerque, New Mexico, all-time high in homicides. Uh, Atlanta, Georgia, all-time high in homicides. I'm sorry, highest in 30 years. Pardon me, in 30 years. So not not technically an all-time high. Um, Austin, Texas, the highest it's been since... Well, no, the highest ever, actually. No, that is the highest ever. Uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Columbus, Ohio, Indianapolis, Jackson, Mississippi, Louisville, Kentucky, Macon, Georgia, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, We've got our Milwaukee, Wisconsin listeners, as you know, uh, with us right now on WISN. I, I sit here, Clay, and I say there are reasons for this, and I'm most familiar with how they're playing out in a place like New York. But then we can extend this out to the national level. Here's what's going on. we got a new mayor. Supposed to be friendly to cops. He was a cop himself. So what's going on? He's reinstituting the plain clothes unit. These are some of the best cops that you're going to find in New York. And their job is just to, they don't do, they're not arresting people for having, you know, uh, a joint on the street or something. Well, not that they do that at all in New York anymore, but they're not mind, they're going after violent gang activity, illegal guns on the streets, in the hands of bad people. That's all they do. De Blasio got rid of that. Adams is bring it back. We're supposed to say this is great, but hold on a second. Now, today it's come out that the new district attorney in New York is putting out all these guidelines for the carceral sentencing of people. Essentially, hey, maybe we really we want to just avoid locking people up whenever is humanly possible without the public turning on us in outrage. They don't seem to get it yet. I I don't actually think the message has been fully received, Clay, at least not by the bureaucracy, maybe by some of the politicians. Yeah, what's going on is being concerned about how you treat criminals is a luxury of a low crime environment. And I don't think many people have really understood the root cause of this. Do you only can say defund the police when crime is so low that people feel incredibly safe. And what has happened, as Buck just pointed out, with cities all over the country, is many of you had lived in cities where you had gotten to the point where you were used to crime basically going down every year because we were putting criminals behind bars, because we were allowing police to do their job. And in the space of one viral video... Obviously, you can go all the way back to Ferguson in 2016 and also connect it there with the hands up, don't shoot Michael Brown lies. But really, in May of 2020, one viral video of George Floyd in Minneapolis directly led to police coming into attack all over this country to such an extent that they were pulling cops, the television show, off of television. And cops were under attack. Think about how crazy that is. Did they pull Paw Patrol? The kids show? Paw Patrol. They they went after (laughs) the puppy 
that is dressed like a police officer on Paw Patrol, the left-wingers did, to argue that it was too positive of a representation of police. And so what we are seeing now is Democrats, and I think this is important because I think it ties in with what they're going to try to do with the shutdowns and the lockdowns and school and everything else, Buck. Now it's almost impossible to find any politician in the country that is in favor of defund the police. And in fact, they now argue, Buck, oh, we never said defund the police. We didn't actually mean defund the police because thousands of people all over this country are dead, and most of them are young minorities in inner-city neighborhoods because that's where the overwhelming number of victims are. And that's why people, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, of all stripes, persuasions, do not want police to be defunded because they know how important they are. And I think we're seeing a spin back in the other direction now where we're going to be supporting police more, but it's we'll all see. based on one video. This is this is why I'm concerned. In, in New York, and again, using that as the canary in the coal mine, so to speak, what you have in New York is a change. Okay, a little more supportive of police. I think that's correct, that part of it. They're going to have to say, oh, we're going to read. But it's more than just that. We've talked here about the Soros-backed progressive prosecutors. We've talked about Republicans who, and I will not forget this, and this was a moment where I did disagree with the initial Trump administration approach. I thought they were running a little, running a little scared from this in June of 2020 when we we're hearing about criminal justice reform and all these criminal justice reform bills that we have to pass and how we're going to have greater police accountability. A lot of that stuff, and that often comes down to prosecutors' offices. That's what I mean by the bureaucracy and the progressive virus, if you will, that has spread throughout a lot of major city bureaucracies, a lot of that is maybe going to continue on for a while here because they're less accountable, because the public is less aware of it. And that's why I get concerned when I see the new, you know, you, you see the new mayor saying, OK, we're going to back cops. But the new district attorney coming up with this social justice framework for when the district attorneys can actually try or the assistant district attorneys can actually try to get prison sentences for people. We have been too lenient on violent criminals the last year. That, that is a reality with the bail reform laws, with the ways that these major cities approach this. So the police part of it, again, I think you're right that that is switching back because the politicians know that's a vulnerability. But the overall criminal justice framework, you're still going to hear Biden and Kamala and the rest giving all this talk about how we need greater equity. And what does that really mean? I mean, what is social justice in the context of law enforcement as the left sees it me. Well, and this is where every four years Black Lives Matter reemerges. So in 16, we had a presidential election. Hands up, don't shoot. Black Lives Matter becomes a political, politically viable force. 20, they show back up. George Floyd. Are you telling me really that nothing happens in between those years that is going to justify the relevance of that group being active, I guarantee you on a prediction right now, in 2024, they will find, because it will exist, a viral video which is not representative of what most police officers do on a day-to-day -day basis that is going to make police look bad, that will give Black Lives Matter a reason to be out in the streets protesting to try and hang uh, the responsibility for misbehavior on police on Republicans. I guarantee it's going to happen. But in the meantime, 
thousands of people are going to die because of the failures to stand up to BLM and to support police. Just a uh, programming reminder here for a second, folks. We have Senator Rand Paul joining us in about 20 minutes. It'll be uh, 3.05 Eastern. Going to talk to him about all this stuff, too. One of the most consistent and sane voices on the issue of lockdowns, COVID, Fauciism, all of it. We're looking forward to talking to him, as always. LifeLock pays attention to the online threats that cause your online identity to be stolen. This is a real problem so many people eventually have to contend with. Having LifeLock on your side, well, that just makes a huge difference. They have online programs and systems to continually monitor billions of online transactions every week. They often detect threats before serious harm has been done to you. And the moment they notice it, they're quick to notify you if you're a LifeLock member. Every day, we put our information at risk on the Internet. It happens when we place an order or fill out a medical application or register kids for a sport. In an instant, cyber criminals could steal what's yours, sometimes even harm your finances, your credit, your reputation. Good thing there's LifeLock. When you're a victim, LifeLock assigns a dedicated restoration specialist to help you clean up the mess. Clay, what are the next steps for folks? Next step to make sure is get hooked up and listen to us and make the right decision when it comes to protecting your family and your household. All you have to do is go and get hooked up today. You get a first year for 25% off by using a promo code CLAY. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can help protect what's yours with using the promo code CLAY. You can call 1-800-LIFELOCK or head to lifelock.com and use that promo code CLAY for 25% off. That's 1-800-LIFELOCK or lifelock.com, promo code CLAY. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my from this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. 
Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been juicy. It would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Senator and Dr. Rand Paul, the top of the next hour here in about 10 minutes or so. A lot of you want to weigh in on a variety of topics we have been uh, discussing so far in the program. Encourage you, by the way, go subscribe to the podcast. Start off 2022 with the best information you can find anywhere and Maybe out there for your middle-of-the-road friends who are fed up with all of the restrictions, who are fed up with their kids not being able to go to school, who are starting to question whether masking makes any sense as we hit a million new cases a day. Maybe, just possibly, share the show with them and say, join Team Sanity with Clay and Buck. You can search out my name, Clay Travis. You can search out Buck Sexton, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, we are everywhere in the podcast universe. And we also, as always, appreciate the hundreds of affiliates out there, including, in particular, the 10 cities where we are number one overall in our time slot. We love all of you, but we love those 10 the most. Uh, Where, uh, (laughs) because they love us the most. Where should we go to first, Buck? We've got Doug in Maryland. He's got some thoughts on that I-95 traffic jam from hell. What's up, Doug? How you guys doing? First time caller. First time talking to you, sir. Thanks for giving us your time. (laughs) Hey, um, yeah, this is what's going on on I-95 where you have thousands of people stranded. You have people out of gas. You have, uh, you don't have the resources available, um, as far as being able to get the, um, the road cleared off and the, the, uh, the the interstate cleared off in in a timely fashion. And you don't have the funds available because when you have a Democrat in charge, whether like you guys said earlier, whether it be federally or on a statewide, um, you, you, uh, this is what you get. You get total ineptness. You don't have the funds available because they're wasted on other things. And now you have a disaster taking place for the last 24 hours and throughout this entire state of Virginia. Well, hold on a second. Hold on a second, Doug. Charge. Doug, I got it. So, Doug, it sounds like you're telling me. Governor Ralph Northam of I don't know if I was in the Klan costume or the blackface uh, story that he's not doing a good job in Virginia. Is that what you're telling us? Yeah, I mean, it's it's unfortunate that we Sounds haven't like- had the new governor come in, uh, you know, already. But this is this is he's he's it's it's it's, uh, you know, evident that he's not he wasn't prepared for this emergency. You know, I yeah, mean, th- uh, what do you guys think about this? I mean, it, well, it- I think in general, this is just me. OK, Southern people are incompetent when it comes to snow. In my experience, Democrats, Republicans, independents. I don't know the specifics of how I-95 got shut down like it did for so many people. It's obviously an unmitigated disaster that it could occur I don't know the specifics of how it occurred, if that makes sense. I know that the state of Virginia, I would guarantee, does not have a massive cache of snowplows, just like my home state of Tennessee doesn't have massive amounts of snowplows. So people from the north can make fun of us, but when it snows, we don't have the ability to get roads closed. And also, Virginia, much like Tennessee, 
People who live in Virginia and Tennessee and, and Kentucky and places like this are going to understand. Buck, you New Yorkers don't really understand this. We are always right on the line of, is it going to be the worst possible weather, which is like 35 and a cold rain, or is it going to be 31 and snow, or is it going to be 32 or 33, and we get the dreaded wintry mix, where we get like sleet, ice, snow, like it all mixes in together. So we are oftentimes a disaster because we aren't prepared for cold weather. That's why I always say cold weather and snow and ice hits in the south. Stay in your house. All of our Don't listeners in uh, WFLA Tampa and WIOD Miami are like, huh, that's why we moved inter- south. Interesting Nashville uh, situation there. Sorry about that. Well, I just see people driving through. The ice is a mess, and so I don't know exactly what happened in uh, in, in Virginia. But my thing is, and this is why I always say it to Southerners, I had to tell my wife who came down from Michigan, it's different if I'm in Michigan and they get a foot of snow, the roads are going to be fine, people are going to be out moving around in it. If we get four inches of snow here, the city is shutting down. Don't fight it. Sean in Gilbert, Arizona. What's up, Sean? Hey, guys. How's it going? We're good. Thank Um, you. We're excellent. Real quick, I just with all this stuff going on with the testing and you know all this talk, I wanted to bring up something I feel like no one's remembering. Um, but back when you know Biden was vice president under the Obama, Obama administration and we were dealing with the swine flu, um, it was actually Vice President Biden who shut down the testing uh, and said that there's no reason to test anymore because we had hit like 66 million people. And he said it just wasn't worth it. Everybody had it, and we just assumed at that point that it was you know basically at a pandemic level. But like the hypocrisy of the administration, like the swine flu is affecting children. Uh, the Omicron variant's not. And kind of the same thing's happening, but yet their, their stand on the whole is completely flip-flopped. You have in one situation under the previous administration, you know, don't bother testing. Everybody's got it. Let's focus on the sick. And then now, in this new administration, we're focusing on the people who aren't getting sick and causing all sorts of testing problems. Yeah, Sean, one thing you can tell for sure, there's going to be no consistency. And I- I'm going to go back and look at some of the Obama administration decisions around swine flu. It was a while back, and I think it would probably be an interesting proxy or interesting uh, to-, to line it up, at least, and see how Biden did then versus what he's been up to now. Real quick, Dave in Cleveland, Ohio, has got an in- interesting one for us. Dave, what's up? Nothing. How you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Really what's going on with your new mayor? I am concerned about my city of Cleveland going all liberal. We have a new mayor, 35-year-old Justin Bibb, a community activist, and he's got um, a new board oversee the police. It's a civilian board of, uh, I think, 10 or 12 people. One of them is going to be Tamara Rice's mother, who Tamara Rice was shot by a Cleveland cop. And she's going to be on the board, and I think this city is going to go through some hell. Is he a defund the police guy? What's that? Was he a defund the police guy? Yes, he is. Oh, he is still? Well, I bet bet that he has pivoted from defund the police because everybody who was ever defund the police is now saying, oh, we just have to spend money more smartly. I was never in favor of defunding the police because the data is so clear, Buck. Rand Paul next. It's going to be great. Dave, thank you. You're listening to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the EIB Network. Uh 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.